0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. It's a blessing to be able to be here. Amen. I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark. We're going to get right into the word. Mark chapter 5. And and uh, David, Brother David, spoke this morning in our Spanish service and And, uh, man, he, he touched on pretty much everything that we're going to be touching on today. I believe that God, God has a message for his people. Not, not just not, not one half of the ministry, not just the English, but the Spanish, the whole, the whole body. And I believe that God spoke that, uh, we didn't, we didn't talk about what our sermon, we don't get together and like, Hey, what are you gonna preach about? I was going to preach about. Um, it's just, it's, you know, that the Holy spirit, he has a word for his people. And so, um, I do believe that, that God speaks it to us in a way that we can receive it, right? Um, and so, you know, Brother David spoke it beautifully this morning uh, to, to the Spanish crowd. And and I believe that God is going to speak it this morning to you. Uh, so Mark chapter 5, 25 through 34. If you have it, say amen. And I got it right here, up here. If you don't have your Bibles, I think, right, Lewis? All right, Lewis is doing everything today. He's running sound. He's running media. Amen. My boy, Lewis, you are never mind. I'm not going to go there. If you know, you know. Okay. All right. And it says this, it says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Amen. With that, you can take your seat. Amen. The title of my message this morning is a light touch, a light touch. And I just I want to encourage you this. This morning with this word, I want to I want to just give a shout out to Will for stepping up last week. Brother Will, Pastor Will, uh, he brought a beautiful message. I listen. We, we uh, last week we were in Destin and on the way back, we, we listened to it. And man, I'm just blown away by his his ministry and, and his growth. And I'm just I'm super proud of the man that he's that he's become. And I know that God is going to continue using him in, in mighty ways, man. And, and Will, you, you already know that I love you and I'm, I'm proud of you. Um I've 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 had this feeling for a few weeks that God is wanting me to speak on worship. Worship. And I always appreciate God giving me a word to preach, but he doesn't always give me the scripture to use to go along with it. And so sometimes that creates more work because I'm like trying to find the right text to fit into the message that he wants me to preach and and I'm just going based off of a word, right? God, God can be very vague at times. Um, but, but I believe that God gives us a word. I believe that he gives, sometimes he gives pastors just one word. As, I mean, he's done it to me. He Just gives me one word. And then he's like, you got to figure out the rest. And I think he does that because he knows that, that pastors know their church. And, and so, you know, worship is a huge topic. I think there's so many different ways that we can, we can take um, take a message on worship, but I was like, God, okay, worship, that's great, give me more context. Like what on worship? And, you know, I, I just, I, I think God is, was just like, you know what, I'm, I already gave you the word, just just figure it out. And, and that's what God does. He will give you a word, he will make you figure out the rest, he will give you an assignment, he will make you figure out the rest. He remains present through all of it, um, but sometimes all we have is the vaguest of words to go by, and it requires us to be still, and it requires us to listen and stop talking, right? And and it requires us uh, to be prayerful and ask for wisdom. And so God gave me this word, worship. And I believe that the Holy Spirit led me to this story of this woman with the blood issue. And when I was reading it, I was like, God, this isn't, this isn't a worship sermon. This is a faith sermon. There's, there's nowhere in here really about Worship. This is about faith. We all know the story. I've preached this message on faith many times using this passage of scripture. You have this woman with the same issue for 12 years. There's no solution. She's gone broke. She's gone hopeless. She's probably gone a little bit crazy. And, and finally, she, she does this like Hail Mary, this last attempt. And she goes out in public knowing that it is not lawful for her to go out in public around other people with her condition, knowing that it's unlawful for her to touch another person. But here she is considering touching Jesus. And then she says, OK, maybe I don't need to touch him. Maybe if I just touch his garment, surely even the lightest touch will heal me. And so in an act of faith, she touches the hem of Jesus' garments and she's made well immediately. That's, that's faith. And I said, God, you know, I, I protest with God a lot. And I said, God, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't, I don't know how this is a worship sermon. This is a faith sermon. And the more I protested with God, the clearer I heard his voice say, you can't worship without faith. Worship requires faith. You can, you can sing without faith. You can sing real good without faith. You can play an instrument. You can, you can play a whole worship set without faith. You can be moved by a, by a sermon without faith, but, but the true worship that God desires requires true faith. And see, we, we have to be reminded that worship is a lifestyle. It's not a ritual. It's not a 35-minute worship set. It is every aspect of the believer's life how many say amen to that? How many, how many believe that this morning? That worship is giving God everything, every aspect of your life. That is what worship is. And so if faith isn't in every aspect of our lives, then we have not rendered to God our complete worship. This is why Abraham, when he was on his way up to deliver his son uh, to, uh, to, to, to God to be sacrificed, he told his servants, he said, I want you guys to wait here while my son and I go up to worship, as Genesis uh, 22, 5. He says, wait here, we're going to go worship. And and I'm thinking, like, how how can worship be on your mind when you're about to give your son as a sacrifice? How can you worship when you're going through this much of a test? Genesis 22 opens up by saying, God tested Abraham. How are you worshiping with this type of test? The Bible also says that Abraham was full of faith. He was, he was believing that God would provide the sacrifice. He didn't know how. He didn't know from where. He didn't know, uh, he didn't know if he was actually going to have to go through with sacrificing uh, his son and then God was going to resurrect. He had no idea how it was going to happen, but in his faith, he was able to worship. See, the God that we serve, guys, is, is an invisible God. We can't see him. We can't always hear him. We can't always feel his presence. Sometimes we don't even feel his presence. And so all you have is your faith that, remain, that, that, that tells you that God is still present, even if I can't feel him. All you have is your faith to tell you God is still good when life is not good. And from that faith, it produces a heart of worship. Now, if you begin to doubt the goodness of God, what's going to happen? That's going to affect your worship. If you begin to doubt the reality of God, you won't be sure what to do with your worship. If you begin to doubt God's lordship over your life, and you're not really sure if God is calling you and that God wants to use you, you might keep your hands down because you don't know who you're surrendering to when you lift them. Your faith matters to your worship. And so there's people who walk into churches all over the world, and they walk in with broken faith. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but you know if your faith is a little bit broken this morning. You know if your faith is a little bit tired today. You know if your faith is maybe even a little bit superficial. And people walk in with that broken faith expecting a song to repair them. Expecting the sermon to speak so well into their life that it will restore them. Don't, don't get me wrong. God uses these things. I believe that God uses our emotions to draw uh, ourselves to God. But, but what happens when the song is over? What happens when the worship team was having an off week? What happens when the worship leader that you wanted to be wor- uh, leading worship that Sunday didn't show up? What happens when you were really hoping that that they would sing the song that you requested, but they didn't sing it, and now you're offended because you waited three songs, and you're like, okay, surely the fourth song is going to be the right one. Nope. What happens when, when the pastor is not speaking directly into your situation? What happens? Worship does not spark out of nothing. It has to begin with faith. And, and I want you to hear me on this. Your level of worship, get this, your level of worship is a symptom of, of the amount of faith that you carry. Your level of worship, I'm gonna say it again, your level of worship is a symptom of the amount of faith that you have. If you have zero faith, you will have zero worship. If you have a little bit of faith, you'll have a little bit of worship. And that, that little faith that you have, it might be enough to bring you to church. It might be enough to make, to, to make it through the worship set. It might be enough to sustain you when life isn't too bad. I remember having a conversation once with this guy who was always in and out in his faith. He would have great days, and when he had great days, God was good, and he'd be like, man, I'm blessed and highly favored. And then, and then on the days where, where work was a little slow and he was struggling a little bit, he was questioning his devotion to God. Your level of worship is a symptom of the faith that you carry. And so if all you have is faith, like you got nothing else but faith, all you'll have is worship. Job's wife, you know, she, I think she had a little bit of faith. She had faith when God was good. She had faith when the blessings were pouring in. But then God began to strip the blessings away. He began to take. And she said, she said why don't you just curse God and die? Surely he's not even with us anymore. And then I'm reminded of like people like, like Paul and Silas when they were in prison and they had been beaten down and disrespected in public and humiliated in public, but they didn't question God's goodness. Instead, their worship filled the prison room because all they had was faith that God was good. And maybe, I, maybe I, I'm, I, my life ends here, but my God is still good. All they had is faith, and because of their faith, it produced their worship. There is a difference in your worship depending on the amount of faith that you have. And so when you, when you walk into the presence of God at church on a Sunday, listen, th- this, isn't, this isn't all that worship is, right? I think, I think we know that. Worship isn't just singing songs. It's not just clapping our hands. And it's not just giving our offering. Worship is devotion. It's obedience. It's sacrifice. It's a lifestyle. But, yes, this, too, is an element of worship, and that's why we come in here, and that's why we gather, and that's why we sing praises And and we're grateful and we give our offering. And I I love congregational worship. But, you know, when you find yourself very often walking into the temple and you have a hard time praising God when you don't even want to be here, when you're you're waiting for the service to end, when when you have a chronic worship problem, the real issue might be your faith. And I'm, I'm not here today trying to make, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach at you today. Okay? I'm not trying to preach at you. Because I know that there's people who genuinely struggle with connecting to God. People, have, they, they've, they've asked me, like, how, how come I can't connect to God the way that I want to connect to God? Why don't I feel like worshiping? Why, why does it feel like I'm not in love with God sometimes? And I think the question that you're asking might be the wrong question. You're asking, why can't I worship? Why is it so hard to devote myself to God? Why can't I seem to connect to the Spirit? Why can't I stay connected to God when I'm not here at church? I think the question that you need to examine is what is going on with my faith? What? what where Where am I not trusting and instead fearing? Because it's hard to worship God when you're bowing down to fear. And you see, the the, the enemy is smart, man. I I think, I think he has... He has convinced the church that that glorifying God with our lips is true worship. You hear what I'm saying? I think he has convinced a generation of Christians that writing good songs, songs that hit songs, songs, songs that really make you cry and and saying the most eloquent uh, prayers and saying God is good and saying, God, I love you. God, I need you. That that is true worship, but is not true worship unless the spirit is in tune with what you're saying. Unless your heart is positioned and in agreement with those words, all we're doing is saying words. And that's what we do in here. God is good. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, come into my life. God, I need more of you. More of you, less of me. God, I glorify your name. But you know what? We don't have to glorify fear with our lips to submit to it. We don't go around saying, fear, you're so beautiful, fear, you're so powerful, and you're so mighty, and I surrender to you. We don't have to do any of that to actually do it. And so, and so what we often do as Christians is we glorify God with our lips while at the same time we are bowed before fear. And we think that we're worshiping God because we're saying the words with our lips, but we're actually submitted to and crippled by fear. Fear. And that's why our worship can't always be a pleasing aroma to God. You still with me? Got a little quiet today. See, had Abraham had not had the faith that God was up to something, he would have been too distracted to worship. He would have been frantic. He'd been going crazy. How many times have you been in a worship service trying to worship and have fellowship with God, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking about your problems, right? I mean, every day. <laughs> it happens a lot, man, and I, I, I'll come into the presence of God, and I'm thinking about tomorrow, man. It's like when you go on vacation, and you're trying to enjoy yourself, but all you're thinking about is work. Last year, we, we, went, to, we went to Hawaii, and for like for one or two days man, I was just on my phone. I felt like I was on my phone nonstop, checking checking emails. Joel and Claudia know, yeah. Um, I was just, like, on my phone nonstop and we were in this, we're in the middle of, like, this real estate d- transaction It was giving us problems and I, c- I couldn't focus. And so sometimes we do that in church where you're trying to worship but you're just not focused and so it affects your worship here. Now, other people are really good about checking their reality at the door. Right? So, uh, I had to get to a point on vacation where I just silenced my phone. I, I just turned it off. I knew it was still blowing up. I knew that we were still having problems, but you guys know how much I value vacation, right? No, Nobody's just about to ruin my vacation. So I, I turned off my phone. And some of us do that when we come in. We can do that really, really well. You, you came in, beat down by the week, but you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out the door. And I'm going to come in, and I'm going to turn off that worry. I'm going to turn off that fear. I'm going to turn off that stress. I'm going to turn off all of that. And for the next hour and 45 minutes, I'm going to give everything that I have to God here at the altars. And that's great if you can do that. But there is a reason that some people don't experience personal spiritual growth. Because you can attend every church service and every night of worship and every conference, and when you're here, you give everything to God, but the moment you leave this temple, you turn back on that worry. You turn back on that stress and that anxiety and that fear right back on. You go back to your reality without realizing that part of your reality is a lack of faith, and that's why your worship in here is so different than it is out there. That's why you can proclaim that God is good amongst brothers and sisters, but when you're out there, you're silent. Because you checked it at the door, but you picked, you picked it right back up when you left. That's not true worship. And that's not a worship problem that you have. It's a faith problem. It's a faith problem. And, you know, t- two years ago, I, God told me very, uh, very, clearly, uh, very clearly, he said, some people need to learn how to worship, and I, I remember being—I remember being frustrated. I think I shared this with you. I was frustrated like two years ago because our church, man, it was—it was growing, and 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 uh, my prayers—prayers prayers were being answered. God sending. Sending the, the unchurched, right? right? Sending new people, um, I, I don't want to grow at the expense of another church. I, I want to grow the kingdom of God. So sending in people that, that don't know you and let them have experiences with you for the first time here at Numa Church. And that was happening. But they didn't know how to worship. And there was a few Sundays where the worship just I, rem- I remember looking back one, one week like this, and it just felt so dry, and it felt so sad. It felt like we were, you know, having dinner and there was like a live band giving their all in the background. And we were just still having conversation amongst ourselves, you know, like the worship team was they were just giving everything they got. And it just felt dry. And I I remember being upset and being frustrated. I'm like, God, why don't these people worship? And and then God, God said, you asked for non churched people and you expect them to know how to do church worship. Silly man. And so I was like, okay, God, you're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I mean, he said, some people, they don't know what it is to raise their hands. Well, it looks funny to some people. They don't understand it. They don't understand the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They've never experienced the Holy Spirit before. They They don't know these things. They don't know why we cry. They don't know what we're looking up at. This has to be taught and explained and experienced. And I believe that... Over the, the course of two years, man, we have, we have learned how to worship, and our night of worship are a testament to that. Man, they're, they're, they're just, they're fire, man. I mean, it's, it blows me away, and, and I believe more and more people are experiencing the movement of the Holy Spirit, and we're learning how to step into the presence of God here in the temple, and we know how to worship amongst ourselves, and it's beautiful, and I love it, and it's the highlight of my week. I look forward to it. Every Monday, I'm like, man, I can't wait for Sunday again, but I, I can't help but feel like it's a check-in, check-out process. We check in for the moment, and then we check out. And I believe that God is, is, is wanting us to learn how to worship, not just with our lips, not just with our hands, but with our life. Our life out there. Worship is hard out there as you do in here. And so earlier I said that your level of worship is a symptom of the amount of faith that you carry that might not make sense to some of you because you might think that what worship is is what we do at church. And so you think, and I've talked to these people, you think that an incredible amount of faith leads to worship like, like Sister Heather. Have you seen Sister Heather worship? Uh, Bro, she's, she's like this. That's her worship, man. S- Sister Sepp, boom, right here, boom. Get away, demons. Get away, demons. All right. I, I do a... I call it the, the lawnmower, because I, I do this. That's my worship, man. I'm like, beat, or maybe I'm just beating down devils or something. And, or, or, man, if you come to Spanish service, Sister Legna, man, she, whenever, whenever there's a song, she's like, oh, man, that's my jam. She brings, she brings out her bandera, and she starts dancing all over the place. And, and it's beautiful. And that's, that's some people's expression of worship. But, but some of us think that in order to have all this faith... Like or in order to get there, you have to have all this faith. But then I think about like my dad, man of God, man of faith. Never I don't know if I've ever known a man with that much faith. I mean, I, I just admire his faith, but this is his worship right here. And so if you're judging his expression of worship, that man has no faith. Why can't you be more excited? That's that's his worship. That's his expression of worship. We're not talking about we're not talking about expressions of outwardly worship. We're talking about lifestyle. Talking about lifestyle worship. Worship means to bow down. That's what it literally means. The Greek word is proskuneo and it is a sign of submission you are submitting to something when you worship. And so when you come and you worship God here at church, you're submitting this time to him with singing and praises and listening to his word. But when you go home and you do marriage, worship takes on a whole new form. It means that you bow down in reverence to God as you present your marriage holy to him every single day. And it's saying, God, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to give this marriage to you because I fear you, I trust you, and I want to worship you with my marriage. And it's not just marriage, it's also finances. Finances it's saying okay god i i know and i i might be stepping on some toes this this morning but but some of you're like god i know i need to tithe i know i need to give but i don't because i don't have money i don't because i haven't managed it well enough to factor in some offering to you and to your kingdom and so so uh Faith and worship there is saying, because I fear you, I will be obedient to you. I will give to you with what I have, even, even, I, even if I don't know where it's going to come from. That's what worship looks like. It's saying, God, I don't know why you're calling me here. I'm not a there person. I'm a, I'm a here person. I want to be here. I want to be comfortable. I want to be cozy. I want to be warm. I want to, I want, I want to be in my pajamas, right? Like that's my, that's my wife. I just want to be in my pajamas everywhere I go. Like I want to be here. But because I trust you and I fear you, I will go where you're calling me to go. Your faith is tied to your worship in every aspect of your life. And so if you want to move the heart of God, which I believe so many of us do. If you wanna quickly access the presence of God like you didn't even miss a beat, and you wanna seek God and find Him when you seek Him, when you're not surrounded by the worshipers and the beautiful lights and, and the worship songs, you wanna move the heart of God with your worship, it starts with faith. That's it. Faith. Worshipping at church is, is kinda of like, the way that I think about it, is, 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 it's like a date night with your spouse. My wife and I, we love our date nights, man, and we keep it old school. Dinner and a movie. That's it. That's what we do. We try to change it up, but that's what we go back to. Um, we just that's what maybe some dessert if we want to get crazy, right? But that's that's how we do it, movie and, and 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 dinner. I don't I don't know how brother junior does it, man. He's like, man, Mr. Romantic and does all kinds of stuff like he's got his own MTV show or something. <laughs> I I can't I, can't compete with that. So we just dinner and movie. That's what we do, and we enjoy our uh, our, our company and, and we're just, you know, friends, right? And we love our date nights. But if you're married, you know that marriage isn't just a combination of date nights. Marriage has got some ugly in it. Always oh, got some real ugly in it. It's got some attitude, it's got some pride, it's got some jealousy, it's got some nagging, it's got some snoring. It's got some taking fries without permission. It's, it's got pain. It's got pain. Women, stop taking your man's fries. Mm. But you know what? If, if in marriage, if we only ever built our marriage over date nights, our marriage would never endure the, mo- the more difficult aspects of marriage. In fact, it might die. And I believe that God is saying that there are Christians who have laid the foundation of the relationship with God on Sunday morning worship, on Sunday morning preaching, on some Christian podcasts. And so your worship doesn't always move the heart of God because it has no faith behind it. When you're not on those date nights with God where you walk out on a spiritual high with spiritual butterflies and you're feeling refreshed, Instead, maybe you're on a date night with anxiety or fear or confusion or temptation or resentment. A worship song isn't going to come to your rescue. We have to submit every care, every burden to God. That's worship, and that's what moves his heart. And the woman with the, with the blood issue, she moved the heart of God with her faith. I mean, more than we even realize, she moved the heart of our Heavenly Father. And I love this story because it, it tells us that even the lightest touch can move the heart of God. I'm almost done. Just give me like, you know, five more minutes. Let me, let me have your attention because this is why I really want to get here. This woman, she, she wasn't about to go out and make a scene. She didn't want, she didn't want that. She didn't need that. She wasn't even trying to get the attention of Jesus. You know, every, every other story that we hear, people go up to Jesus and they present themselves to Jesus. This, this lady was under the radar. She didn't want to be detected by anybody. She didn't want to draw attention. She didn't want to have a conversation with Jesus. But she believed, and not, not just hypothetical belief. Like, yeah, I believe that he can heal me. He can heal me. This was actionable faith that that if if she just touches his clothes if i just touch the the clothes of this man he is so powerful he is so holy he is so good demons fear him disease fears him depression fears if i just touch the very clothes that are on his back i can get my healing and it's it's honestly it's kind of like it's kind of like stupid faith. Like if she were to come to me as her pastor and ask me what I thought about her plan, I, pastor, what do you think about this? You think if I just touch his clothes, I'll, I'll get my healing? i would be like, sister, I don't think so. I don't know that it works like that. But she did it. She touched his garment, and immediately she was healed. Immediately. And, and, and look, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to mishear me this morning. I'm, I'm not saying that, that this level of faith will result in a healing every single time. I don't, I don't, I don't preach that. I'm not, I'm not saying if you didn't get your healing, it's because you lacked faith. But that's not the message here. This is simply about moving the heart of God with your faith. And, and the result of your faith, hear me, the result of your faith might not always lead to a healing or a blessing, but it will always move the heart of God. It will always please the heart of God. It will always be a pleasing aroma. Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And pleasing God, that is our worship. That should be the goal of every believer. We, I, I long to get to the day where God says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, you pleased me with your faith. That's the goal. And that cannot happen without faith. What's interesting to me is that This woman was healed even before Jesus declared her healed. Like she took something from Jesus without his permission. (laughs) Mark says that that, that Jesus perceived power leaving him. Luke says that, that Jesus actually said, power has gone out from me. How did he even notice? The... The Bible says that the crowds pressed upon him. There were people everywhere touching up against Jesus, bumping into him, reaching out to him, probably trying to get in his face. Sorry, I always confuse those two. Everybody's touching Jesus, and maybe even some aggressively. And what blows my mind is that the touch he notices is the one that doesn't even touch him directly. And so this woman proved, she proved something. She proved that it isn't the physical that moves the heart of God. It isn't the words. It's not the lyrics. It's not the tears. It's not the physical touch. It's the faith. It's the faith that moves God's heart. And I want to close with this. I'll have the band come up. If worship is defined as submission... Worship is bowing down, right? Worship is reverence. This means that this woman's worship was pure. Because, look, I'll tell you, there was no doubt that this woman was afraid. She was afraid. Like, fear was probably in her ear the entire time, telling her, don't do it. Don't do it. What if someone sees you before you even get to Jesus, and you can't even make it to Jesus? What if you... you You find a way to make it to Jesus, but then when you touch the hem of his garment, Jesus doesn't heal you. What if in your final attempt, it's just a final failure? Fear had to be in this woman's ear. And so what she had to do was she had to look over fear. She had to step over fear. She had to to put fear beneath her feet to get to Jesus because it was Jesus that she decided she was going to bow down to, not fear. And so when you walk out of church here today and you go back into your reality, there are going to be some things that you have yet to step over, but you need to step over so that you can submit it to Jesus. There's going to be some worry that calls your name this week. There's going to be some anxiety. There's going to be some pride. There's going to be some frustration and some overwhelmingness. I'll be the first to tell you I have submitted to pride. I've submitted to it. I've let pride have its way in me. I have bowed down to my frustrations. And every time it has hindered my worship, it has created a wall between me and my holy God because I chose to bow down to something else. And I didn't know it at the time because with my lips, I was still glorifying God. But I was, I was bowed down to my situation, giving it power over me. And I'm saying, God, you are good. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, you are powerful. God, you are stronger than any giant before me while bowing down to the very giant before me. And it wasn't until I said, you know what? I can't bow down to this anymore. I can't bow down to the things that want to kill me. I can't bow down to my worry. I can't bow down to my chronic stress. I can't bow down to everything that is going wrong. I have to find a way over it to bow down to Jesus and submit everything to Him. And I'll tell you when I did that, when I decided that my faith would finally rise up and I decided I was no longer going to give power to things that Christ already conquered, when I decided to submit everything to Him, my worship became sweeter. It became more real like it wasn't, you know how sometimes people, we have, we have like fake friends, right? We have fake friends and we have real nice conversations, but it's just, it's, super, it's superficial. And it's not until you get past all of the walls and all of the barriers that you can be real with that person. When I got past all of the barriers and I got real with Jesus, man, it changed my life. Because I can, I can access him, and I can, I can get into his presence with the, my, my, my very word. And I can say, what's up, God? I know you're here, and there's nothing between us. Because everything, I am stepping over to get to Jesus. And there's things I want to rise up in my life every day. And there's always a giant that wants to come confront me and, 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 and one-up me. But you know what? I, I don't bow down to it anymore. Because my God is greater than any giant that is before me. And when that level of faith has been reached, your worship is pure. Your worship is true. And that is the worship that God desires. He says there is coming a day where God is now, he's he's seeking those who would worship me in spirit and in truth without any, any obstacles before me. I want your true heart. I want all your heart. But it begins by putting all your faith in who Jesus is. When your faith rises up, let me tell you, church, God will notice. He will notice just like he noticed this woman who didn't even touch Jesus directly. You won't even have to sing louder. You won't even have to raise your hands in a a, a bigger way. You won't even have to have perfect attendance on Sundays. It's the light touch of faith that moves the heart of my God. And verse 33 says something so important with this. I'll I'll end it. It says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. You will always fear something. It might as well be the holy God. Her faith produced her true worship. And instead of fearing fear, she chose to fear the son of God. I know that there are longing hearts in the room that desire to go deeper with God. I know that you desire to go deeper. I know that you desire more. And maybe for a long time you've been feeling like you've just been in this spiritual cycle. You're coming to church and you're leaving the same. You're coming to church, you're leaving the same. You come to a conference and you leave the same. And then the, the most beautiful song is written. And you sing it for a few times and you jam it in your car and you have some moments and tears. But nothing changes because your faith has yet to rise up. And I just want to challenge somebody today. It's time to begin trusting God with whatever you've been holding on to. Trust him. Lay it at his feet. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're going to be baptized, you can go ahead and be dismissed and and change. And and right now what we're going to do, we're just going to worship. I want to worship and I want to invite everybody, everybody to the altars this morning to just render their hearts to God and say, God, God, The thing that I've been holding on to, the thing that I've yet to trust you in, the giant that I have let consume me and intimidate me, I don't want to bow down to it anymore. This is the moment that I rise up and I go around it to submit to you, Father. And I guarantee your worship will change, church. Your worship will change. As the worship team sings, I'm going to invite you to the altar. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.